Hey there, welcome to the Health and Harmony podcast, where your health and harmony is our mission. I'm Chrissy Rice, a spiritual wellness coach, joined by Mike Fabe, an independent researcher and health clinician. And on today's episode, we are going to be diving into all about coping mechanisms for stress. So there's a bunch of them, but we're going to tell you about the good ones. Thanks, <laughs> So like, what are some coping mechanisms that people do now that are not so good for them versus what we're going to talk about, which is some good coping mechanisms that will be more beneficial to you and less um, harmful to your health. Yeah. So I think the major coping strategies that are at least socially accepted to some extent are alcohol and cigarettes and then uh, eating. So food. So a lot of people will use food or alcohol or cigarettes to help them manage stress, which makes sense, right? So I guess the first thing to talk about here is those are normal responses. If somebody is presented with stressful circumstances on a consistent basis, I think it's quite normal to want to use something or find (laughs) some type of strategy to effectively deal with that stress and take the essentially take the edge off. Now, less less uh less socially accepted coping strategies would include things like like drugs so those are usually people will use things like benzodiazepines so that's like xanax or ativan uh other drugs would be opiates so the the whole fentanyl crisis inside the united states i think is a function of that and other drugs that people will use will be things like cocaine or methamphetamines now Essentially, the difference between, I think, the variety of coping strategies here is that these coping strategies or these substances that people are using to cope have a lot of downsides. So number one, they are addictive. So say first you're under stress or whatever the deal is, and then you you use these things to help cope. They, They may help minimize the stress, particularly things like benzodiazepines or alcohol or uh, or things like opiates because they basically just dull all of the senses and functions of the nervous system and like null, numb people out. So they don't have to worry about the things going on in their lives. The problem with, with that is that they are super addictive so people will start to use them regardless of the stress because they produce feelings of euphoria and they alter some of the brain chemistry. Yeah. Now, the other thing is that yeah. So that's one promise. People will use these things regardless of the stress, or they will also lean on them during times of stress. Right. And that's why I think you you tend to see drug use in some of these different things in areas of the world or or different countries that are usually have more poverty, usually have uh, I guess worse living conditions is people aren't in great states overall. And so they're using these things to kind of deal with the stress of those of these different circumstances. But then these substances wind up becoming addictive and problematic in and of themselves. Another next thing with that, these things is that they are negative. So while they help manage the initial stress response, they actually have long-term negative consequences. Yeah. Now, I think there's an assumption by a lot of people that if you're going to use a substance or something to cope with stress, it's inherently negative. Like there's no such thing as a win-win solution. And I think that, yeah. that is a that the first piece is that's false. So there are things that are win-wins. There are substances and components that you can use that help you manage stress. So different strategies as well. doesn't have to be something that you take that help you manage stress and are net beneficial. So they actually are beneficial in the long run. They have a benefit to the body. They improve health. They improve function. And so I think it's the the problem with a lot of these other substances. People go about choosing their, their coping mechanisms in unconscious ways. So... They don't consciously make a decision, a rational decision around what substance or what strategy they're using to handle stress. They just have a substance and they just use that substance and they don't really fully understand the long-term negative effects or outcomes of that substance before they get hooked on it. Or they have an assumption, this is kind of a bias that humans have, that whatever the negative consequences are going to happen won't happen to them. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And it's addicting too. You know, the, well, yeah. So, but the, yeah. what I'm saying is, they there's that component. Like, there's an idea that the, 
they won't get addicted to it or they won't yeah, deal yeah. with these negative effects or they yeah. don't even a lot of people a lot of people that uh that I've interacted with that have had different types of addictions weren't really fully aware of what the what the long-term consequences of some of these things were down the line so yeah. for example when I was in the ICU I would work with quite a few people with all types of addictions alcohol addiction smoking, drug use, all these types of things. And essentially, by the time I would see them in the ICU, they were in liver failure. So uh, yeah. as an example, I had, at one point, I had a 35-year-old woman. She had four young children below the age of 12, so ranging below the age of 12. And we put her on hospice care in the hospital because her liver was just shot. Like, she, yeah. there was no, like, she, she passed away with, like, two days after she went into hospice. Yeah. And with all, with like with all of her children present and she didn't really fully understand like as I was having conversations with her yeah. what the effects of alcohol were on her system. Like she was she had gone through a divorce and then she just started drinking and she just yeah. kept drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and she just literally drank drank herself to death. Yeah. And by the time it got to liver failure you know, she doesn't fully know what's going on. She doesn't know why these different things are happening. She doesn't know why she's having these symptoms. She she knows that alcohol kind of caused it, but there wasn't yeah. a thought process for her that out it would get to this point. And right. I think that that's part of the problem. It's like, could there have been some other coping strategy that she could have leaned on to help her manage the stress of the divorce and right. her husband getting custody of the children and all this type of stuff that wouldn't have led to her to her like liver failure and subsequent death. Yes, yeah. I think that that is highly likely. The uh, other examples are there's lots of guys, you know, blue collar type guys, mechanics, uh, guys who are welders or are working in construction. They're in their fifties, and they're in the hospital, and their legs are getting amputated from smoking yeah. because they get peripheral vascular disease, and then there's no circulation to the leg. They get an infection. They can't clear the infection, so the doctors. They try to fix it. They try to open up the vessels. But at a certain point, there's only so many vessels you can open. The vessels are quite weak from all the damage from the cigarettes. And then essentially they have to take the leg. Well, if you're a blue collar worker and you don't have a leg, it's kind of hard to go back out and do welding and mechanic work and all these types of things when you're you're relying on your body for these functions. And for right. a lot of these guys, they started smoking when they're young. And it was just yeah. something that they did and other people were doing. And, you know, when they're under stress or they're at work or rather I have a break, they would smoke a cigarette. Yeah. And so I think, I don't think when they started smoking, like, oh, I'm going to lose my leg at 50. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the problem is people don't have that perspective. For me, when I was in the, I was working in the hospital since I was like 22. So yeah. I'm in there, I'm seeing the amputated legs, I'm seeing liver failure. I'm like, man, why do people do this stuff? And then, it's but. It's hard to watch it. Yeah. But and the then... thing is, I get, I have context, right? I know, yeah. I know. I know how these different things, what are the mechanisms that they cause a problem? And then I know right. what happens downstream. And then I also have context and know like what are other possible options that could be used to help those people manage stress. The other one that people, the other big one is like obesity or metabolic dysfunction. And people are assuming that a lot of these people are just gluttonous. Yeah. And, but a, a lot of times it's like they are managing their stress. They're managing the trials and tribulations of their lives by eating and right. a lot of times they're reaching for hyper palatable foods that yeah. are and essentially your physiology will push you to do this so when you're under stress the stress hormones cortisol adrenaline actually induce cravings for foods that are high in energy so very sugary and fatty foods and salty foods because the fat and the sugar help to lower the stress hormones because the stress hormones job is to break down your fat tissue, to break down your muscle tissue and provide substrate for your body to use to meet the stressor, to give you fuel so that you can produce energy to meet the stressor. So they're also telling your body, hey, like we don't really want to break down this muscle that much. We don't really want to break down all your fat. You're kind of running on the low side. So go, you know, there's some nice, uh, there's some nice Entenmann's pound cake over there. That'll get the job done. And so you, your body will shoot for those cravings. Again, you can use other foods to meet that stress response. You don't have yeah. to use those processed foods. Yeah. Well, you know what? It tastes really good when you're stressing okay. out and you get the ice cream. 
Okay. Like ice cream just yeah. makes everything feel better. <laughs> there's a reason. It's it's very yeah. energy rich and there's a combination yeah. of fat and sugar. And it those is. are humans have certain cravings. There's uh and taste buds for sweet, for salty. They've talked yeah. about some receptors for fatty. And then there's some receptors for umami, which is like a proteinish taste. But under stress, the taste perceptions get adjusted. So that you yeah. actually and and then the desire for certain foods get adjusted on a neurochemical basis. So you're you're actually basically considering Western society, like the foods that we have access to, the stuff that the industry is putting out, and yeah. then people's inclinations, it's just like a recipe for disaster for a lot of people. Yeah. Because you're craving these things and it's like, well, here it is, and it's really not that expensive, and you can get it delivered to your house, or you just can stock your pantry with it. And it's yeah. buy one get one free, <laughs> so yeah. it makes it's it easy. very makes it very easy to do these yeah. things. And I think that, but again, you can use different foods. So I guess we could yeah we could jump in and talk about what are other options that people can use to manage stress from yes, besides so, these damaging things. Yeah, so I would say like let's break it up into groups. So anyone who kind of tends to go towards alcohol when they have stress, what would you replace that with? What other substances or mechanisms or ways can we go about reducing your stress without grabbing the wine or the beer or the liquor yeah so the first thing let's kind of like let's define stress so because i think it'll give perspective for people i feel like people can feel it as we say the word well so that they (laughs) so that they there's a there's a felt sense of what it is but on like a on a cellular level what is really going or on in the body what is going on so essentially stress is it can be easily defined uh it it is a uh either a demand an energetic demand that the body can't meet at that moment so it needs to use these stress hormones to meet it so that Uh could be an argument with your boss at work an argument with your spouse that could be you're getting chased by a tiger. That could be you just got fired from your job. Essentially, it could be um, heavy exercise. All of these things are increasing the amount of energy you need because you have some some thing, some threat in the environment. So your body starts to ramp up these stress hormones so that you can deal with this threat. It's yeah. The stress hormones are releasing fuel sources, fat, and carbs. So that you're and then increasing the the flux of that fuel. So increasing the how that fuel is burned so that you okay. can deal with that initial stress. You can deal with that threat so you can survive. Now, the other thing, the other way you have stress is if you don't have enough actual fuel to deal with the demand. So you can either have excessive demands or you can have a lack of fuel. And both of those are stressful because the old, the most important piece is how much energy do you have? How right. much energy does your cells that does your cells have to function? You can think of energy in the body is like is like money. It's like currency. Uh-huh. You need it. Every process, almost every process, requires energy to function. If you want to digest, you need energy. If you want to think, you need your neurons use energy. If yeah. you want to talk, the muscles in your throat are are using energy. If you want, if a cell has to maintain certain electrolytes, the amount of sodium or potassium that requires okay. energy. If you need to make more proteins, if you're building your muscles, if you're repairing damaged tissue, all of these things are energy dependent. So energy is the primary currency of, of the body. If energy, if you don't have enough energy to meet a demand or you don't have enough energy fuel coming in to produce energy, you have stress. Yeah. The other thing is if you, if you have something that's impairing your ability to produce energy, you also have stress. So toxins yeah. or lack of nutrients or a different bacterial or microbial products impair energy production. So you have to you want to make sure that you have enough fuel, you're managing your external demands, and then you don't have anything blocking your energy production. Just right. fixing that will manage stress because yeah. essentially you're making sure your body has enough energy to function to do these things. It doesn't feel threatened. A lot of people will find, and I with clients I find this all the time, if they have enough energy on board, if their diet is solidified, things that were stressful before are not stressful now. Right. Things that were they would ruminate about and think about and were such a problem, no big deal, whatever, I can handle it because you have the energy to handle it now. Yep. That's the that's like that's the huge difference. So before you even get to to substances that you can use to cope or other strategies, getting that foundation right and I know we're, 
We're going to beat this dead horse over and over. You again. are. Yeah. Getting that foundation right is super key. Every single episode, what's the key? Getting the foundation right. Getting to the root cause. That's what we're going to constantly say. <laughs> Eventually, they will catch on. And they'll be like, you know, I need a foundation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the... But I think it's helpful for people to understand. Because I think there's like how people think about stress. People, you said, you know, we all feel it. But we don't yeah. actually have a concept of what it is. So right. having a concept of what it is and starting to know, you know, what is what is actually causing this feeling that I have yeah. is different because then you can do something about it, right? If you know right. that it's like a lack of energy, then you can make sure you have enough energy. Right. And if you know how where all the areas are that are impeding energy, like we talked about the five the five areas that are likely to cause problems, right? So chronic infections or infections toxic exposure, lack of nutrition, so micronutrients, macronutrients, protein, carbs, fats, vitamins, and minerals, or um, stress, so excessive energy demands, and or poor lifestyle. If those five areas are corrected, then you yeah. you should have enough energy to meet these particular circumstances. Right. And so it's a, with this type of framework, there's actually a system where you're like, oh, I can, I can systematically go about addressing these things to make a difference and where I'm at. And that makes a huge difference. Because besides that, it's like, I'm just stressed. Okay, I'm going to have yeah. some ice cream. Because <laughs> yeah. there's it's like a subconscious, that's what I'm saying, it's a subconscious thing. You just, it's like it a reflective is. thing. It's a, you do it automatically without thinking about, it. oh, ice cream will make me feel better, so I'm going to have it now. Right, exactly. Or I'm going to go have a glass of wine because I had a I had a long day. It was a stressful day. It's almost yep. just like, at that point, when you're not recognizing the actual stress, um, that becomes a habit almost. Like it's yep. a bad habit that you now have to break, but you have to build the foundation, then work on fixing the habit. Yeah. And it, it's it's also harder to, it's harder to address these things while you're stressed out. For sure. So if you have to make a decision when you're stressed out, like you just worked 14 hours or whatever, and you come home and you're going to have a glass of wine to unwind. By that point, if you have to make the decision, then you're going to have the glass of wine. We're all going to yeah. have the glass of wine. Like it's just, yeah. that's not because like your decision making processes at that point, you don't have the energy for them because you just spent right. your energy for the past 14 hours doing whatever you were doing. And yeah. now you're now you're pooped out and you you're like, I need to I, I just need something to help me unwind so I can go to sleep and just and just numb out. And I think right. that's why having the strategy having the framework for a strategy and then having it beforehand and replacing the wine with something else is helpful, especially because a lot of people can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to work 14 hours. I'm not going to work my yeah. hospital shift or whatever the deal is. You, you may yeah. not have that choice. So you could address that. That's possible. But you could also address how are you managing that effectively? And that's where we can get into the... So the foundation is first, but then there's specifics that people can do as well. Right. Yes, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the actual specifics that they can do instead of grabbing that glass of wine. We're still going to grab the glass. We're still going to have a glass. <laughs> We're just going to have a yes. different substance inside the glass. Exactly. Win-win. We're looking for win-wins. We don't want to yes. win-lose. Because your mind and your body don't really know what to do if you don't have the glass in your hand. They're, it's it, Your body kind of feels a little lost without it. So we're still going to let you hold on to it. Yes, you have the association, right? So Yes. You associate having that glass, because uh, having that drink with with managing your stress. A lot of people who smoke cigarettes will tell you the same thing. They're like, they think, just yeah. just like the motion of smoking a cigarette and just stepping out to step do the cigarette is helpful in and of itself, whether yeah. or not like the cigarette is there or not. Well, that's why sometimes people who are trying to quit smoking they'll go with toothpicks because they have that that feeling in their mouth of something is there, like cigarette, yes. and they're trying to detach from the cigarette. It's a process. It's a step-by-step -step thing. We have to still hold the glass and still feel comforted by the glass. But we're going to just put something else in it. You know, with the cigarettes, you still have to figure out, you still have to have that feeling that the yep. cigarette is still there. It's still part of you. It's it's still going to make you feel good. But you know what? The toothpick might start to make you feel good eventually yeah. when you get Yeah, so with, once you have the found, so, and, and <laughs> So you kind of experienced this, but you saw this with other people that I work with that that you also know that mm -hmm. that you're friends with. If yeah. one it's when somebody's in a stress state, it's really hard to just go about changing whatever they're using to cope while they're oh, in that sure. state. Absolutely. So 
instead of, like and a lot of people i work with they'll be like why well, smoke but i'm not giving up smoking and i'm like yeah okay that's fine let's well, we won't even talk about smoking we'll ne- we'll never yeah. say anything about it let's get your foundation right and then we'll have a conversation about it then well yeah. once you're in a better state then we can talk about it yeah. so the first thing is getting into that better state and again that's fixing the foundation now once once you're in a better state then you can start to change what your coping strategy is, what your addiction is, or however yeah. you want to term it. And essentially going cold turkey and just quitting and trying to just stop without replacing is very difficult in my experience. And so it's going to make you feel bad. Yeah, especially for a lot of the substances, like there's withdrawals yeah. and all this type of stuff. So let's, yeah. you have to be it's careful so with that. Yeah. But you want to, you want to replace, you want to, you have this coping strategy. You don't want to just eliminate your ability to cope. You want to replace it with something else. Right. So once you're in a better state, replace your coping strategy with something else. I think that's super important. So for example, with alcohol, and this is with a lot of depressing substances. So that's going to be the benzos that we talked about. That's going to be alcohol. It's going to be uh, opiates. So your morphine, heroin, fentanyl, uh, the benzos would be things like Ativan or Xanax. And alcohol, barbiturate would be alcohol itself. So those types of things, they all have a depressing effect on the system. And different people will tend to like different things overall. They like more uppers or downers depending on their inclinations, personality, what they're dealing with, et cetera. Right. So so let's use alcohol as an example. Instead of using alcohol to manage stress, you can use other things that have a relaxing effect that work on the same GABAergic properties in the brain, but they don't blow up your liver. So right. say you're used to having a glass of wine at night or you're having some hard alcohol or something. Have your glass, fine, as you said, but fill it with something like a pomegranate and grape juice or a pineapple and pomegranate juice, something like that. And then what you do is you can put in other substances into that that'll have the calming effect. So as an example, right. there's certain amino acids. Now, these individual things won't be as strong as alcohol because it's, it's a very strong substance, but these individual things combine together for a lot of people that I work with are enough to kind of help move, get people over that hump and they still have something that they can, they can use. And again, they'll be already ideally be in a better state. Right. So what you can, the three amino acids, the first ones are taurine, glycine, and L-theanine. So they all have relaxing properties. They actually have beneficial effects on the liver and they lower stress. L-theanine directly lowers stress, directly lowers cortisol. So you could start with those. Other things you can add if the, if those aren't strong enough, you can start to use herbal compounds. So you can use things like uh, skullcap, valerian, lemon balm, chamomile. You can start to add those in as tinctures into the juice. Those things will also help to take the edge off. They they all work in the brain on either benzodiazepine receptors. They're not the drug, but they work on the receptors or GABA. And they have a calming effect in the system. They help people unwind. They help people relax. And again, they don't blow out your liver. (laughs) They don't damage your intestine. They don't cause these, all of these problems overall they actually help improve bodily function so you can start to stack things together to help manage the stress response well after that other things that can be helpful there's different other herbal compounds so you have things like ashwagandha so ashwagandha can directly lower cortisol response as well and it helps improve thyroid function and androgens things along those lines so that can be quite helpful now outside of that you have other there's other substances so different vitamins and minerals and different dosages can be quite relaxing as well so both calcium and magnesium can actually be relaxing. Uh-huh. Uh, vitamin C has a modulatory effect on the GABA receptor as well. Other things that can be quite helpful is uh, some of the B vitamins, like niacinamide, can be helpful in relaxing. And you have certain hormones like pregnenolone and progesterone, which directly work on stress pathways in the brain. So you can use a variety of these things. You can find... you can mix and match and test and play and see which of these things particularly work for you as an individual and replace the alcohol or the benzos or the opiates with these types of things. Now, these drugs are much stronger. I'm not I'm not going to pretend that yeah. you just put a little progesterone on your forehead and it it's the same as, you know, taking a shot of fentanyl. It's not. Yeah. But the goal here is that you get into a better state and you don't need such a strong jolt to the system to like completely suppress everything. You can use things that have a more minor effect overall, take the edge off, help you manage the stress. Right. And they're directly working on the stress hormones and the stress pathways as well. So they're health substances. They help you to relax. They help you to unwind. Your individual mileage with each one will vary. You can stack them together so that they have a stronger effect overall, and then they can help people 
that help people to unwind after work. They can help people to manage if they have a stressful situation with a family member or different things going on. You can use these things and as, as long as they're used appropriately in a self-medicating type of way. And for a lot right. of people I work with, once you know how to use them and set them up, they find them quite helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're really amazing. And all like you have to, like you said, you have to like play around with like what you like the best. Like maybe you like a little um, gold cap and L-theanine, right? And that's it out of all those things that you said. But yeah. you're going to help yourself with the mental side of it by holding the glass and still having the drink and still taking the time to sip the drink. But then like the the physical part is also going to be affected as well because you're going to get all those benefits and still have that stress reducing effect that alcohol will give you as well from these things that won't harm your body. Yeah. So it's like a win-win. And then eventually, you know, you might not want to hold the glass anymore. Maybe you're like, I don't need all of this. Like it's a, it's a, like a pattern, you know, you have to like wean yourself away from it, but you're still going to have that mental thing. The glass is in your hand and you're drinking something. Yeah. Yeah. Having the actual action is helpful. A lot of people like rituals and they like landmarks. So it's like when you come to the end of the day, like if you're making a cup of tea or you have your juice, that's like wine or something like that. Yeah. It's it's like part of the rituals. This is what I do to unwind. I sit in my chair. I pop on Netflix. I have my nice glass of herbs and spices. Yeah. (laughs) And I just I can unwind before I go to sleep. So, yeah, the the ritual is part of it. It's definitely part of it. And even if you're a beer drinker and you like glass containers or you like um, cans, right? Dump out a can of seltzer and reuse that as your cup, you know, as your actual thing that you hold because it's everyone likes a different drinking apparatus. So take your drinking apparatus and pour your juice and your mixture into it and use it because it's just going to help you mentally get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Make your own individual ritual. Make a personal ritual that works for you. And and then. It's also figuring out which substances work for you. Other things that can be helpful are number one, how like your mental frameworks around stress. So that's why I'm talking about like, what is the actual understanding of stress? Because it allows you to like understand what's going on and then how to manage it. So under understanding stress, really getting an idea of what's going on, understanding what are the ramifications of the substances that you're using in the long term, and understanding that there are other things available that the win that you can have a win win option. You don't have to go cold turkey, understanding that um, that you can create your own rituals and systems and you have agency, you have the like a self-responsibility and a control over some of these things. You can, you can make a difference with these different components. And then also understanding and giving yourself the room to know that when you're in stressful circumstances or states, your ability to like make these better decisions and change is much more difficult because you don't have the energetic resources to do so. So the, yeah. the thing is, is not like, okay, well, then I just won't do anything. It's how do I get myself into a better state so that I can effectively make these changes and basically taking yeah. taking the control and responsibility to move forward these things and, and improving your life and function in these different areas. Yeah. And those herbs and supplements that you mentioned, they're powerful. They yeah. are very- Individuals, it hits different people differently. That's why I mentioned mileage will vary, right? <laughs> Yeah, they will. So, like, don't <laughs> doubt the herbs and the supplement. Yeah, I mean, most most of the compounds that people are are playing with are, you know, like the opiates and or heroin initially is coming from poppies, right? And then a lot of different substances are are like, for example, the amphetamines and things based around cocaine are mm-hmm. coming from the coca plant. They're just like a very right. refined source. So, a lot of plant compounds whether it's the coca plant or whether it's poppies or whether it's skullcap or whether it's marijuana, they all have potent pharmacological properties. And we have the major ones that we all know that are super strong and that are addictive, but there's a variety of other plant compounds with a variety of other effects. It's about figuring out which ones work for you. And then there's also the hormonal things I mentioned, the pregnenolone, the progesterone, DHEA is another one, but we'll talk about those with the excitatory stuff in just a second. Yeah. And then you have vitamins and minerals as well. So if you start stacking things and taking like higher dosages of certain things for like some of the vitamins and minerals, they also will have a stronger effect at those higher dosages. They they have signal along some of the same pathways. The other things that could be helpful are like 
uh, red light exposure at night can be quite relaxing for people. But that's yeah. usually not strong enough in and of itself in these circumstances. Usually the substances are helpful. So I think really adjusting the mental framework around stress and around coping strategies and really developing frameworks that are useful for the outcomes that you want to minimize your stress, yeah. manage it effectively so you can perform and function and, and continue to to move through life comfortably. I think that that is a, a good outcome. And then also the substances and things that you're using. So I think it's a mindset plus the substance piece and the setting again on the background of having that foundation set up. Yeah, for sure. Mindset is everything. Also, yeah. it's foundation mindset. <laughs> Those yeah. two go together. You know, there's other I mean, there's other coping mechanisms. Um, we're trying to like like for me, I'm thinking you could go for a walk, you can get a massage, you can go get an energy treatment, you could get um talk to a therapist. Like there's other coping mechanisms as well. But I think we're that's a really long episode as well to like add that into <laughs> this one. But I think we're just yeah. trying to get like the the common three that people go to on a daily. Yep. Like a, like a daily yeah. habit almost, which would be yeah. the alcohol, the drugs, and the food. That would be a daily thing that you'd want to go for. Yeah. So I, I also think one that you mentioned, I think community is really helpful for people. So a yeah. lot of people now they have therapists and whatnot. But in my experience, having somebody that you can talk to that'll actually listen to what you have going on, the stresses that you're dealing with, and either just listen. A lot of people just need to vent stuff out. Yeah. Or like help them strategize or reframe things is really important as well. So yeah, for me in my life and managing stress, like I have people that I can talk to and I can reach out with. It's not therapists, it's family members, it's friends that can help me strategize through things, listen to what I have going on. And that makes a massive difference because just sometimes getting stuff off your chest in yep. of itself is helpful. Inside studies, there's uh, some rat studies. And what they do with the rats, they they induce something called restraint stress. So they actually restrain the rats. They can't move. And so what happens is this is very stressful to the animals, and they develop stomach ulcers and all types of health issues because the when you restrain the animal, they start releasing stress hormones, and the stress hormones damage the body. And yeah. I think a lot of people have a kind of metaphorical restraint stress, right? So if you're tied into a job or relationships, or circumstances that you feel helpless about, you have a learned helplessness with. Yeah. That creates a lot of stress for people. And then they're looking for ways out. Like, how do I, how can I deal with this? How can I just manage this? How can I just get by? And a lot of times with, in the rat studies, what changes the actual uh, hormonal output with the rats and their response to the stress is if they can bite down on a stick. Yeah. And it's just the action of being able to do something about it changes the physiology because the physiology is responding and saying, okay, I, I can at least mount some type of resistance to this. And the feeling yeah. of resistance, the feeling of of being able to manage something eliminates some of the helplessness, the, the heavily learned helpless piece and helps to lower some of the stress response. So talking to somebody else and venting what you have going on and having somebody that you trust and who will listen to what you're saying and help you to strategize out of the scenario or even just making a plan, the beginnings of a plan to get out of some type of stressful circumstance starts to change the physiology directly. It's not substances and neurotransmitters and hormones, but the actions that we do in everyday life and these types of mindsets and, and going about things in these ways affect the physiology directly. It's not woo, it's like directly, you see yeah. this inside the research. Yeah, it shifts everything. Yeah. It shifts everything. It shifts your mindset. It starts to shift you so that you can use those things as coping mechanisms as well and get through what you're getting you're trying to go through and get that stress out of you. Yes. It's all about 100%. the shift. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super it's super important. Um those multiple strategies. It doesn't only have to be substances. Those yeah. things can be quite helpful. But it's yeah. you know, it's where I can't tell you all, just go find someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's well, trying to find that person or those people that you can talk to and looking around for those people. And if you don't have those people in your life, start searching for them. They'll come. Yeah. 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 The other the other ones, the other two areas was food and then the other types of drugs and substances are not downers, but uppers. So yeah. those are things like cigarettes, nicotine, uh -huh. um, cocaine. Some yeah. of the, the stimulants that most people use, I I think 
meth and amphetamines like street drugs are less of the problem for most people but more things like Adderall which is an amphetamine based drug or Vyvanse or Ritalin and so with those because again some people will use certain substances some people like more of downers some people like uppers some people are using different things for different circumstances in those circumstances there are other substances that can be used again this is always a caveat on top of the foundation but there's some substances that can help give a kick to help you know, give you a boost with mental function, help you to have a, a increase your drive to meet the demands of stress, whatever the deal is. So instead of some of those substances, there's things like rhodiola. That's an adaptogen. It has a, a boosting effect overall, uh, a stimulating effect, whereas ashwagandha is more of a, a relaxing property. You have things like citicoline, which is a choline compound that can in- increase that type of drive. DHEA has a, it's a hormone that has a Usually I like to use lower doses personally, but that's a hormone that tends to have some excitatory or stimulating effects. Caffeine and coffee are okay as long as you're eating enough to support them. There's some other uh, caffeine-like compounds. There's theocrine and dynamine. All of those have some stimulating properties overall. And then also something, so nicotine in and of itself isn't necessarily terrible. So smoking nicotine, the smoking is very problematic but a lot of people like to use nicotine in the form of gum or patches or things along those lines and if it's used in reasonable doses can be stimulating without having such massive negative side effects overall there are benefits of nicotine on the brain but it is indeed addictive although if it's not smoked it's it seems to be quite a bit less addictive overall the smoking is really problematic so nicotine is something else that people can use as well to have a bit of a stimulatory effect overall. So th- those are some compounds that can help in as uppers. There's other ones, um, but they're a little bit more in a gray area. So I think we'll possibly right. discuss them another time. But those those are some of the basic substances. Other things, another one that comes to mind as well as cordyceps can have some stimulating properties. Uh, for me personally, I like to use both cordyceps and rhodiola together with DHEA. So again. Sure combining things is quite helpful. And then for me, I don't tolerate caffeine well. For me, I was oxid- I metabolize it very slow. Yeah. So in that circumstance, it lasts a long time, gives me jitters. I don't respond very well. But for me, something like a low-dose nicotine gum is helpful in, in certain circumstances to give me a kick, like if I'm going to go work out or something. So in those circumstances, I think, it's, I think if you're using it appropriately, you're not doing massive dosages, and you're 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 not smoking it or even vaping. I think is a problem. It can be used yeah. uh, reasonably, and a lot of people do find. And some of the studies show that it does have beneficial effects on on memory, working memory, and then also I think there's some slight increases IQ with with nicotine at least in the time period that people are using it. So those are some basic things that I think people can use off the bat to help give them a boost of energy when they need it while they're Fendi. working or dealing with any stressors. Right. All right, those are those are some good suggestions. That was a lot. I I didn't think there was that many. There's a lot more, but they start to be like some of them are are drugs in other countries. So, for example, okay. there's a thiamine compound called solbutyamine. It's so it's a fat soluble thiamine that has a in general in my it helps improve carbohydrate metabolism. But what it also does is it helps to increase. Um, with that carbohydrate metabolism, it helps to like, it has like an anti-fatiguing effect. Right. So right. for me, when I've used it, I actually quite like it. I'm not telling anybody to go use this again. This isn't medical advice, but I, I've used it a couple of times and I quite like it. It, ha- it basically has like an anti-fatigue effect. There's another compound as well. This is a, a Russian substance. It's called bromantine. It's an adamantine derivative. So that's a type of a class of drugs. And it has um, some dopamine transporter inhibiting properties so it has dopaminergic properties it's not euphoric it's not addictive but it also has some anti-fatiguing effects and both so solbutyamine is largely a health supplement it's a form of thiamine so which is vitamin b1 and umbromantine actually has a host of beneficial properties overall but again these are more gray area substances i would say nicotine is probably more gray area the herbal stuff is less of that. And then you have like vitamins and minerals, like some of the B vitamins, uh, making sure you're getting adequate fat-soluble vitamins. All of those can give a boost. 
And also making sure eating enough carbohydrates on a regular basis can help lower stress and, and give a boost as well. So, but these are, there's a variety of different compounds. It's just the, some of the other ones are maybe harder to find in the U S or regulated in different countries. And so I tend to not mention them as much. Hard to find here in the U S. Yeah. I like, I like how you said it all comes back to carbohydrates, which we're going to do an episode on. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Not to be afraid of carbs. Yeah. So, all right. The food side, the food side, how can we cope using food without using the cake? the cookies, and the delicious ice cream. Yes. So with food, the most people's cravings under stress are for things that are fatty, sweet, or salty. Why? So the way you can think about stress hormones is they're liberating or freeing some substrate, some fuel from your stores. So you store carbohydrate in your liver, you store it, it's a little bit in your kidneys, and you store some in your muscles. The carbohydrate in your muscles you don't really have access to. Once it's in the muscle, it's in the muscle but the liver will store glycogen. And so when you're under stress or you don't have a carbohydrate coming in, your liver will start to break down that glycogen, this glute, this basically change of glucose and pump it out into your bloodstream so that your central nervous system and other organs can use it. Now, when you're under stress, your body is like needs that glucose. Hang so it'll, the stress hormones will increase your liver's production of glucose through a process called gluconeogenesis. And it will also break down that glycogen in your liver so that it releases it. Now, once you break down all your glycogen and or and you're really pushing gluconeogenesis, your body in order to in order to create this glucose and gluconeogenesis, you need some substrate, right? You have to convert something into glucose. You don't just magically like here's your glucose. It just came out of nowhere. It gets converted, produced from something. And so it's produced generally from amino acids and then uh, the glycerol backbones of fats. So fat has a a portion of the fats that you store. Now, where are you getting those amino amino acids? From your muscle tissue. So you're breaking down your muscles to produce sugar when you don't have enough uh, food or carbohydrate on a regular basis. Where are you getting the fat from? You're getting it from your own fat stores. Right. Your body will break down the its fat stores and then use those to produce the um to produce the uh the glucose. So you don't want to be in a state where you're breaking your body's tissues down, right? Right. So your body at the same time is like, all right, let's 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 strategize here, boys. And what it said, what it does is like, well, let's make let's make Chrissy start to get a little hungry for some carbohydrates and maybe some fat so we don't have to break everything down. And so that's why that's where those cravings are coming from. So the carbohydrate lowers cortisol and glucagon because the cortisol and glucagon are are largely responsible for breaking down and this is kind of it's a way to think about this there's some nuance here but i'm going to kind of like categorize it nicely but it's responsible for producing that glucose when you don't have enough then adrenaline is responsible for producing that fat so it'll break down your fat tissue so you'll start to crave fatty sweet things to lower that adrenaline lower that cortisol and lower that glucagon now, the salty craving comes from another stress hormone called aldosterone. And what aldosterone does, aldosterone causes you to keep reabsorbing your sodium at your kidney. So all the sodium in your body, it will hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it. But what happens is you start wasting your potassium. You, you're, you're basically giving up the potassium so you can hold on to the sodium, and then you, you'll also be like, you'll, you'll be peeing that out. So essentially, in order to avoid having to do that, your body will trigger these salty cravings. So you have these cravings, oh, I want something salty. So your body is basically saying, I don't want to use these stress hormones when I can just, if there's something in the environment, then I'll have that. So this is, you know, that's, these are good things. These are reasonable, intelligent strategies. The problem is, is the foods that we have available, thanks to the big industrial corporations, are salty sweet and fat and nothing else besides bad like just they're filled with terrible ingredients and those terrible ingredients are damaging us and while we're trying to meet these cravings so the solution is really to go and use foods to meet these salty fatty sweet cravings that aren't these nasty industrial foods that taste good but are just basically hot garbage so in that circumstance and I guess you could give us an idea of maybe like, because we've talked about this, right? So some of the meal yeah. op, some like snack option or something 
for stress, like juice or macadamia nuts, like something like that, that people could use yeah. or like what you used before bed or things like that, that people can use to keep the stress low. This, like you said, it's the fat and the carb and the, the combination of fat and carb. Yeah. So for me, it was like, um, rice cakes and Nutella. And I know that doesn't sound really good to say, like when I'm all stressed <laughs> out, you know what I'm going to get? A rice cake and some Nutella. Like nobody says that, but it actually works. Like, yeah. It's better for your body and your mind, like, or like your mental capacity. Like, it solves all those cravings that you were having because you're all stressed out and you want to just yeah. eat that food. So, um, I use dark chocolate too. So I'll find some, I'll do like juice and like some dark chocolate or, um, just sometimes the calming effects of juice just work yeah. for me to reduce stress. Yeah. For me too. A lot of times. Yeah. Oh, because especially because the way that we structured your diet is that you're already having enough carbs and fat and and protein yeah. and salt and minerals throughout your regular meals. So you're pro most people, and I'm sure I've experienced this. I'm sure you have as well. Is like you when you set things up appropriately, you don't really get cravings anymore. No, right? you don't. Yeah, yeah. On like very small occasions, like it used to be all the time, probably daily, <laughs> but. Now it's like just very small occasions, like during your time of the month or when else, like when you really are stressed out, where you're just like this rice cake and this Nutella, I'm just going to throw it across the room because <laughs> I don't have to eat this right now. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. very rarely, but it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, or my experience, I don't really get cravings anymore, but if I am under significant stress, my appetite will pick up a bit and I will want to yeah. have usually something with more carbohydrate or some more types of fat. And so no circumstance, if you're meeting it with whole fruits, dried fruits, frozen fruit, 100% juice, if you're meeting it with chocolate, macadamia nuts, maybe avocado with salts like some guac, um, all of those are great options. Or for some people, if you, know, if you do well with dairy and it doesn't cause weight gain for you, because some people it does, you can do a high quality ice cream that'll be helpful yeah. to minimize some of the uh to, to minimize the stress response because you have a carbohydrate you have and you have some fat present and again yeah. it's really the 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 things that are really problematic is a lot of the industrial food products they're really right. bad the ingredients yeah. are terrible and those are starting to cause problems but like dark chocolate and fruit when's the last time Somebody's like, oh, I just ate too much dark chocolate and too much fruit. A lot of times they're also self-limiting, right? There's only so much yeah. dark chocolate you can have in a sitting. A lot of people I work with, oh, I'm a sugar addict. I'm a chocolate addict, all this type of stuff. And so then on the first, when I'm building out a diet with them, I'm like, okay, so what type of fat source do you want to use? And they're like, oh, can I use chocolate? I was like, sure, let's do it every meal. And so we yeah. do chocolate. They do it every meal. And I'm like, I bet you in about one or two weeks, you're not going to want to have chocolate every meal. I'm like, no, I, I, I doubt it. Next time we, next call, the next week we talk, can we just do something else besides chocolate? At least for lunch and dinner. Like I want it for breakfast, but I just, I cannot eat this much chocolate anymore. Yeah. And that's once cravings are satisfied, people, people tend to not like go out and search and reach for all these things. They're fine. They're yeah. doing well. They don't need to have like, they're not dying for chocolate. And then they're like, oh, I don't really have any cravings anymore. And the yeah. other thing too is if you have intelligent strategies set up for food, so you know, if I'm under stress, I'm going to have some of this type of dried fruit or fresh fruit or whole fruit or, or frozen fruit or make this smoothie or have this juice, or I'm going to have, um, I'm going to have this guac or this chocolate or this macadamia nuts or any, any, or rice cake and Nutella. And you know, this is my go-to. And then that's what you have stocked in the house or yeah. that's what you bring with you in your car or what you bring with you to work. Then when you're sitting at work, you're not going to plow through the the donuts that whoever somebody brought in because you're you don't number one you're not pulled towards them because you're sated you have you know you're eating well on a regular basis that's where that foundation comes in yeah and then number two you have an option available so you don't feel like oh i can't eat anything and that makes yep. a huge difference again having that plan before you get to that point is 10 times more helpful than trying to get to that point and just will yourself through it <laughs> yeah same same for me so i'm like i have to have the stuff ready because if it's not ready, then I'll probably want to tend to gravitate towards something that's not as good. So for me, one of the things I like to do is slice up bananas and then put dip them in dark chocolate and then freeze them. Because it like solves all the problems for me. It's got the carb and the fat. 
and then the bananas are kind of like that cold like ice creamy feeling and I leave I leave a tray of those in the freezer at all times and even my daughter when she's having when she's like I just craving something <laughs> sweet or she's just like having her time of the month she goes and she grabs these bananas and they're just loose in a you know in a bowl and you can just take out two or three literally two or three is all you need because it's just like that's all you that's all you really need your body's like okay that was enough but it's so yeah. good but you kind of have to set yourself up with those things like you have to prepare for the time when you're going to be like i need something and i need it right now yeah that's the biggest thing with all this stuff is about having having things prepared and so yeah the other thing too is you don't have to have a super elaborate process, right? Like when we went through things, it no. was what can you real realistically do on a regular basis? And there's options and strategies. Like I'll build diets out with people. I remember I built a diet out for a trucker and it's like, how do we eat out of Walmart and gas stations and yeah. in a healthy type of way? And we were able to do it. Or yeah. if I have a, I was working with a bank executive and he was, he was wanting to just eat out at restaurants and or like have dried fruits and and nuts and things that he could bring with him. It's like, could you do that? Yeah, hundred percent. You don't have to cook a single thing. You can right. definitely set those things up. It's just it it takes a little time to build it out. And then once you yeah. build it out, you know what you have to do and you have your strategies and you have your new routine that you run, it it runs on autopilot. But just in yeah. the beginning it takes a little time to get things organized. Yeah. So that's uh, so carbs and fat for the food side of it. When you're craving something, go for the carbs and the fat. Yeah, Good. well, most people will crave the carbs and the fats, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But put them together. Eat them together. Yeah. They're good together. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, I awesome. think we told them, like, all of the things for <laughs> the coping mechanisms for if you like alcohol, the coping mechanisms if you like to smoke cigarettes, the coping mechanisms for drugs, and the coping mechanisms for food. That was a lot yeah. of coping mechanisms that we just gave them. And I hope that if you fall into any of those categories and searching for a new coping mechanism, that one of these will work for you and you might tell somebody else who needs to learn about this as well. So Mike, where can yeah. people find you? They can find me at my website, mikefave.com. And what about you, Chrissy? All right. Yeah. You can find me at chrissyrice.com. And if you guys have any questions or comments or topics or subjects you'd like us to talk about, Drop them in the comment box and we will add them to our topic list that we have. And thank yes, you so much. Our ever growing list. Yeah, yes, our ever growing list. Every day it grows longer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, everyone.